Welcome back, folks, to the Get a Grip on Lighting podcast. You're locked down, you're quarantined. Guess what, son? You listen to the Get a Grip on Lighting podcast. You can binge on it, man. You can start off with episode one, work your way through all the way to the end, and then get on the Light Ted Online video show, Greg. And by then, you might be able to get out of your house, hopefully. Oh, man. <laughs> okay, but so for this one, we got Kyle Landing from Sunset Lighting. What a great company he has, Greg. Wow. Yeah, pretty different from what we do on a day-to-day in in terms of he's doing lighting maintenance and nationwide, but really cool, interesting discussion we had. I could have gone in that direction with my career when two roads diverged in a yellow wood, and I was like, "Ah, am I going to change light bulbs for people, or am I going to just not do that and just sell them light bulbs? And so those roads diverged, and Kyle Landig went down one, and Michael Colligan and Greg Eric went down the other. But, man, we've been on a lighting journey. So, Kyle, thanks for coming on the show, guys. This is a really cool conversation with him. This episode of the show, man, is brought to you by the National Association of Innovative Lighting Distributors. Convention postponed. More news coming out hot on that when that's going to happen. We got surprises up our sleeves because we got big sleeves. But I want to tell you about the original, the flicker-free original. That is energyfocus.com, Greg. Woo! What you can't see can hurt you. And I think Scott's putting it up on the screen. They actually have a webpage dedicated to Flickr and what it means and why it is an issue. What is Flickr? Can, is there issues with it in lighting? And yes, there are. And this page talks about it and Energy Focus dives into it. They're big believers in Flickr free. They have all the products needed for it. They are the company to go to on terms of Flickr free LED tubes. And they have some new news coming out. Probably the next one we do for them, we'll be able to talk more about this end focus lighting that they have. That's going to be a smart lighting platform it's going to be awesome so be ready we have some inside knowledge on it but we'll talk more on a future show so i'm going to tell you this i've got a little bit of hate mail some people have been emailing me saying hey culligan there's no such thing as flicker free it's reduced flicker okay look i love you all you lighting dorks out there unite together as one i get it but the original is the Flickr Free original, which is a rich energy focus. And I'll tell you this, man, when I take my little camera and I look at those flickering tubes and I look at the energy focus tubes, they ain't flickering. So I'm calling it Flickr Free. And energy focus is the Flickr Free original, son. So put that in your pipa and smoke it. Right now, we got Kyle Landig on, from Sunset Lighting on the Get a Grip on Lighting podcast. Hey, Kyle, how's it going? Good. How are you guys doing? Doing good, man. So we're here in Sunset Lighting in beautiful Irvine, California. Um, how did this company get started, Kyle? Tell us a little bit about it. Uh, so we were founded in January of 1990. So okay. we are just celebrating our 30th year in business this year. Uh, my father, Mike Landig, is the founder. And uh, he had previously worked uh, at uh, GT at the time, but now uh, Sylvania or mm-hmm. whatever Sylvania is now. <laughs> um, and uh, he uh, was doing sales there. Um, and very long story short, started Sunset Lighting in 1990 out of his garage, like every great company has founded. Out here anyway. <laughs> yeah, right. Out in yeah. California. Yeah, is the, out here is in California. The, is, the, is the start a company in your garage mythical story of the world? <laughs> right. <laughs> Got to start there. <laughs> I, I, I lived in the house that had that garage. Uh, mm-hmm. So I, I saw the company uh, get started from its How old in- are you? infancy. I'm uh, 33. You're 33. Okay. Yeah. 
Um, so just grew up around the company. Um, we uh, originally started servicing clients in uh, California. And because of my father's experience working in corporate America before starting his own business, um, he had kind of had a way with uh, national accounts. Mm. And so uh, our very first national account was uh, the Wet Seal. Hmm. And uh, we were so. What is that? What's the Wet Seal? Take your mic, buddy. You're supposed to be a pro at this point. <laughs> My author? <laughs> yeah, you're kind of like a little what? bit light there. Here you go. What, what is a Wet Seal? I don't know that one. Uh, the Wet Seal, uh, I don't think they're around anymore, okay. but. Um, I think it was uh, it was women's uh, clothes. Okay. Uh, so clothing retailer. Retail. Okay. And uh, that branched us out of California. So you're just going. He's going in. He's selling lights, and he's is he changing lights in the wet seal from like changing out the halogens twice a year or something like that. Yeah. And, well, and our company has uh, never been just lighting. Um, we also, uh, I mean, we have a C10 license and a C45 license, so. Um, electrical uh, non-california what does that mean contractor yeah yeah c10 contractor's license okay yeah. c45 contractor's license with uh, the first being uh electrical contractor and the second being a sign contractor mm, so okay. it's always been lighting electrical and signs so uh yeah uh working with the wet seal growing in california um and then uh eventually um the fm at the time for the wet seal asked us if we can go to florida and so we started uh, flying lighting technicians and electricians to Florida. Okay. Which uh, also, uh, well, another long story, but didn't work out so well. And so uh, that was about 25 years ago. And that uh, laid the groundwork for our national vendor network that um, is now 25 years old and has uh, thousands and thousands of vendors across North America, uh, service partners, as we call them. Because, uh, like I mentioned to you uh, off air, that we are primarily a lighting service provider, mm -hmm. um, which has, of course, grown into many other service offerings that we provide to our customers. So that's an interesting angle. Yeah, what um, was the? I just got to ask because the timing. What was the that install you did for Wet Seal? What was the install? Yeah, what was the lighting you put in? Oh, geez, at the time, a um, uh, lot of uh, halogen. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Yeah, uh, sure. Uh, the, the the squiggly uh, T12s, maybe. Well, the, oh, the, uh, what are those? The pa groove. Power groove. Power groove. <laughs> yeah, power groove. <laughs> Come on, that's man. Older, that's older than me. Power groove. I have one of those in the corner of my office. That's awesome. Oh, that's awesome. I just I don't know what to do with it. I don't want to throw it out. You gotta yeah. keep that thing. Yeah. yeah, I just have to. I just have it like leaning in the wall. I'm just like, what? Actually, I'd probably take that out of my office. But ah. I, I have. Uh, my dad gave it to. Me to me we were cleaning up stuff when we moved and we uh, we moved here to irvine from anaheim uh, about eight years ago found all sorts of interesting stuff including this uh, old sylvania uh slide rule uh cost and margin and markup calculator i had one of those, <laughs> I, one of those. I know you're talking about exactly yeah. <laughs> it's awesome that's on the cork board in my office you kept it good yeah you still use that <laughs> oh man how did that thing work did it like it was it did it have a like you just push it this way if you charge more you make more <laughs> yeah <it's not> interesting. <laughs> it required an abacus to, to figure that out <laughs> oh, that's hilarious <laughs> so i also grew up with my with my dad selling light bulbs out of his garage okay yeah and so we like i remember when i was a kid my dad i'd run out when i was eight years old and help him unload tractor trailers of light bulbs and put them yep. in the garage yep i was the janitor in high school and uh, then uh, swept the warehouse floor, cleaned the bathrooms after all the electricians coming in and out. 
And your uh, dad made you clean the bathroom. Uh, well, I wanted. Uh, I was an enterprising high school kid. Wanted some. See, I love to cash. call people out on their lies. Your dad made you clean the bathroom. No, come on, Kyle. Um, he wanted I mean, the money. I don't know. I, I, I wanted the money more than anything. <laughs> those animals. I, those animals. I mean, like you let the contractors in my place. They they just go to the bathroom everywhere, man. Those guys are animals. <laughs> it, it was a it was a serious uh, power wash. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> so, and then when did you join the? When did you decide to get in the game? Uh, two weeks after I graduated college. Okay. okay. Um, I had, in, I interned at Sunset Lighting for, uh, two summers, uh, before I graduated and then was debating whether I wanted to go to work with the old man or, mm -hmm. uh, go do my own thing. And, um, after a lot of debate, uh, decided to come to Sunset and I'm, I'm really glad I did. Um, mm -hmm. it's ended up really I just, I guess, suiting my own skill set and propensities, and sure, like yeah. what, owning, being an entrepreneur, and yeah, being an entrepreneur. Um, I love. Uh, I, it's funny. I thought I loved operations, which I do, but I've been doing it for the last. Uh, been here for twelve years, but I recently shifted over to a business development uh, role, and um, I've been pretty successful with that. And uh, that's kind of scratching another itch. So I, I guess that's one of the benefits of owning your own business is the ability to kind of reinvent yourself and what your role is. Now, I, I've been doing a lot of podcasts with him for a long time, and I know he's hungry to ask you some questions. Yeah. But just, you know, if, if this goes out with it, we're going to Strategies in Light tomorrow. That's oh, why we're, great. That's yeah. why we're out here. Mm -hmm. And, um, and uh, so we're going to be doing a bunch of work there. But just to let the people know if you're listening to this, um, generational entrepreneurship is way underrated. Hmm. Like if you're, if your parents own a business and they offer it to you and they, or not offer, but offer you a chance to get in and work there with eventually maybe becoming a vice president and maybe becoming a part owner and then buying it from them is such an underrated way to wealth and freedom. Man, mm -hmm. I know so many people who aren't that smart mm -hmm. that took over their parents' <laughs> businesses and are very wealthy today. And yeah. I mean, they're not particularly good entrepreneurs. Yeah. They just knew the business, had it in their blood like you from a little kid. Yeah. Well, see, that's where I uh, need to uh, push back because I think a lot of second generation owners get a bad rap as being the silver spoon kid. Mm. Now, it is true that I'm standing on my dad's shoulders mm -hmm. and I'm the first to recognize that and I'm grateful for it. Um, but that doesn't mean that I haven't busted my butt and that my blood, sweat, and tears aren't in this as well. And, and it, it is true also that um, I, I think the right second generation owner will care more than any employee, nearly any employee that you'll hire, um, because your name is behind it in a way that is not normally there if you're just an employee. Yeah, there's more to it than money. Absolutely. So, yeah. And, and there's just, there's, especially when it, when it started in your home. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, and on top of that, um, you know, there's, a, there's another side of it too. Like, I, I don't want to get, we can, we can edit this. It's not going live here, but mm -hmm. you know, <clears throat> you can have, um, yeah, I, I wrote an article in the last TLD about succession. I know quite a bit about it. Mm -hmm. Um, just, I, I, my father owned a business and you know, I bought, I bought the business from him and he basically mentored me and taught me to be an entrepreneur. And that wasn't all fun and games. Okay. Some of that was, uh, pretty rough Yep, and battling each other with passion, but in a good way, but mm -hmm. both, you know, you know, two bulls, but butting heads. 
mm-hmm. in a way, and that can be pretty stubborn. Mm-hmm. Um, and but then also was like sibling rivalry was involved. Yep, all of the above. Yeah, yeah. My uh, both my sisters have have worked here at times, and um, it, we've learned a lot about each other. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's a good way to put it. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, some people look at uh, there's actually in the second generation, if I may. You know, um, just pontificate maybe a little bit. As you said, there's you know, if they want to work for it, they can be extremely passionate, and they have res- and they, and if uh, the further they go, the more respect they develop for the founders. Mm-hmm. That's one path. The other path is free riding. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. Where it's like, wow, well, my this my dad owns this business, and I get to check in a couple times a week and take a full salary. Right. And um, you know, oh my brother, my brother runs it, or mm-hmm. my sister runs it. I you know, but you know, it's a family business, so you know, we spread it all around. Right. Yeah. And so there's kind of two ways you can path you can go. And if you take the other path, you're just going to be a shit disturber disruptor. So don't don't be that way. <laughs> be the other way. Contribute. Because the more you grow the business, the better it is. And if you don't want to work there, step away from it. Yeah. And so, yeah, I mean, the, the, there's uh, that passion, though, um, for family businesses is certainly an interesting thing. And it's understudied and underappreciated, I think. Mm-hmm. Especially in America. Hmm. It's very appreciated in Europe, actually. Really? Yes. Yeah, yes. I, I don't know the dynamics of that internationally. Americans tend to buy and sell businesses a lot more okay. than Canadians would and, and then Europeans would. So there's a lot of dealing of businesses. Mm-hmm. So the America has a very vibrant, uh, like like the, the America's business, small, medium, small SME business mm-hmm. is a little bit like the real estate market in, mm-hmm. uh, in Canada. Yeah. But the, the, the small and medium-sized enterprise market for family business and that is not active in Canada. They don't sell a lot. Mm-hmm. Whereas in, in America, people are like, oh, I'm going to sell and then I'm going to retire and play golf. There's a lot of that in America. And they sell their business to someone else and this goes on and on. And so in Europe and less in Europe and even less in Canada does that happen. Mm-hmm. Tends to stay in families longer. Whereas yeah. Americans tend to sell their businesses more. Which is good. Has that's benign. That's neither good nor bad. It's good that it's dynamic and things get sold and mm-hmm. people do things. But by the same token, you lose that passion and that edge. Yeah. Uh, like I mentioned earlier, I'm obviously extremely grateful that I've had the opportunities that I've had mm. um, because of what my dad risked 30 years ago. Um, but I can't say that it's my vision to uh, pass this company to my son or daughter mm-hmm. someday. Sure. Um, it, Like you said, uh, it, it's not always easy. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, my dad and I overall have a good dynamic together. And um, I think that uh, we play off of each other well. Mm-hmm. And How old is your dad? My dad is... You can edit this out <laughs> uh, if you want to. <laughs> yeah, well, if he was here, you'd never guess it. But um, he's turning seventy this year. Okay. And um, this year he's uh, he's retiring. Oh. Um, so he says he is. Um, so uh, we are talking in more in earnest about succession planning and um, what that's going to look like. Um, but uh, yeah, he's 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 had a great career and um, he's ready to pursue other things in his mm. life, spend more time with my mom. Um, but, uh, yeah, uh, together, um, the, uh, passion for the company that we both share in equal measure and, uh, being strategically minded and crafting a vision for the company, we both really enjoy doing that. 
And I think that we've been able to rally our team members around our vision for our company, our, our mission and our core values. And so um, we both think that way. Mm. And um, I, I don't know what, what is the secret to our success, if anything, but um, I'd like to think that that helps a bit. Sure. Well, sure. sure it does. So you guys have three divisions, really? You said it's lighting, sign, and electrical? Yeah. 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 So um, those are like the, the trade services that we offer. Um, but then within that, um, we uh, provide um, on-demand services. Uh, so brake fix, repair and maintenance kind of things. Sure. Uh, preventive maintenance, mm -hmm. PM. Uh, we also do uh, more large-scale projects with our clients mm -hmm. um, when they have uh, uh, budgets allocated for uh, long-term um, improvements to their lighting systems. Um, that's definitely a big part of our business. And then um, there is a kind of a boutique distribution element to our business. Um, our clients uh, never come to us uh, first and foremost to purchase lighting materials from us. They come to us for service. But um, I like to make a case to them why they should bring together the lighting distribution and the lighting service component. It makes a lot of sense to bring the two together um, because otherwise uh, the traditional model is where um, we work with a lot of retailers. And so they'll have a lighting service provider and then they'll have a lighting distributor. But I think that you end up having a situation where the left hand doesn't know what the right hand's doing. Um, the service provider is the one that uh, needs to be, is the one visiting the actual job sites, but the lighting distributor often is not doing that. And uh, they- What lighting distributors? <laughs> <laughs> well, they We're often- this part of the show. Yeah, I know, sure. I know, <laughs> I'm no, going there. Go for, it. go for it, no, no, yeah, yeah. No, I understand. Well, they're. Uh, and and maybe this is an admonishment that they need to go visit the job sites sure. more often, because um, as the uh, the lighting service provider, our company, um, we're the ones who have to live with the ramifications of the uh, incorrect materials being out there mm. and the cost of the, the the cost that that brings to the the retailer or wh whoever the client may be. Hmm. Do you have a lot of warranty work you have to go back and? deal with or handle? Do you guys work with the lighting distributor, or the manufacturer direct? How does that work on your side? Well, most of, uh, because we do uh, repair and maintenance and upgrades uh, specifically, no um, new build, no construction, um, we're working in environments where there are no warranties. Um, however, we have had situations where clients have uh, recently done an upgrade through another service provider. Mm -hmm. um, there's issues. And then we're called in to fix those issues. And uh, in certain rare occasions, we've been able to negotiate with manufacturers to uh, take over a warranty uh, that a, another supplier who's now headed for the hills hmm. um, is no longer, because they're not going into the stores anymore. Hmm. Does that make sense? Totally. Yeah. yeah. So Greg calls himself a progressive lighting distributor. Okay. Okay. I, I hate the word progressive. Yeah. Do I, I, I do call myself that? <laughs> That's what it says in your bio. Oh, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm a Get a Grip okay. on Lighting podcast. He's I'm a progressive a, lighting distributor there. It's a, it says that. Like, if you read about Greg in the Light Ted Online video show oh, and on okay. the website. Yeah. It says progressive lighting right, distributor. Okay, I thought, okay, right. that's what you want to put <laughs> okay, there. Right. But I think, but, but you're hearing it here first. Yeah. Well, no, I think I did see that. You're right. Yeah, I'll, I'll go with I that. I think Maybe you did write that actually. Yeah. And send it to me. Did I? Okay. Yes. I did. I did. 
<laughs> got it on record. So, but now. you know, so here's my here's my thing. I, I think we're what we're talking about more than the distribution of light bulbs is the distribution of lighting knowledge. Mm-hmm. Right. And so what what you're doing is you're you're whether it involves service or it just involves like some some distributors are reticent to get involved in service because they, they would put them in a position where they're competing with the vast majority of their customers. Mm-hmm. Right. And so they're servicing mm-hmm. their customers yeah. in a sense. Right. Right. And so they're they're the backbone of um, of their customers. And then other lighting distributors, like, for, for example, me, two separate companies. One is an electrical contractor. The other is a lighting distributor. Mm-hmm. Right. And then Greg partners. He's not he's not he's not he's also selling. Direct, there's, there's like all these different angles. And what we're doing, though, is we're distributing the solution to people in a sense. And that and that involves a combination of product knowledge. And in your case, installation knowledge and mm-hmm. sign knowledge. And then if you go to each one, that's why it's so much fun to go and actually meet the, the members of Nailed. Mm-hmm. Because there's nothing, I there's no place I learn. I, I talk to experts in the, in the industry. But for me, I learn more talking to nail distributors. Oh, for sure. Mm-hmm. That's because they do, they're doing what we're doing. They, everybody has their own unique way, though, to Mike's point. Mm-hmm. And that, you know, we're all trying to do the same thing. And just how we get there is it might be a little different. But... Mm-hmm the end of the day that's the goal and it's all customer service oriented you know with the, with mm-hmm. the, where the customer is the priority mm-hmm. and um yeah do you have any more questions because i'm yeah. interested in this guy you go you go <laughs> you guys what have you seen the most growth in of all the areas that you guys service or work with is it lighting retrofit still is it sign work is growing in the last mm-hmm. year or is it uh, constant or consistent yeah whatever? um uh the business has grown however it's really interesting now that we've had a number of clients where we are on round two and three mm-hmm. of replacing sure. leds yeah for sure um and uh, you know honestly it's not because the customer is interested in uh the newest product that uh has reduced wattage or uh greater efficacy or whatever it's because the old LEDs aren't working so great. How anymore. dare you, Kyle? I know. God, I, I'm a how contra- dare I'm you a controversial pull, lift guest that here. Black curtain up, <laughs> raising the black curtain. Yeah. How, how, how is their reaction? Do these, are, they, are they mad initially when they go mm-hmm. to you to say, "Hey, we got to replace all these"? Are they understanding? Is it, you know, with people? Well, that have done the, the warranty is expired. Yeah. So there's really no recourse there. Yeah. Um. And again, because we, uh, I didn't really go into our customer mix much, but um, we work a lot with retailers. Mm. And uh, when it comes time to replace those LEDs that they installed four, three, four, five years ago, um, they're just looking at the color. They're looking at the depreciation, them, and they can't, they can't even tolerate it. It's yeah, just yeah. give For me, them. give retail me. Retail is as, like, retail is as close to we get to um, next uh, horticultural, mm-hmm. where. Li- Lighting yeah. is something that they absolutely critical. must. Have. It's a critical, yeah, right. mission critical, absolutely great. Right yeah, and that, that's uh, how I explain um, our our business and the types of clients that we work with to people who are outside of the industry. You, you a commercial lighting company? What does that What does that even mean? Well, they they automatically think that we're making commercial fixtures yeah, that you can sure. buy that yeah. you yeah, know sure. on a website. Yeah. Um, but I like to say that we work with clients where lighting is an extension of their brand. Yeah, sure. Where when the lighting isn't dialed in in their place of business, um, and I mean this is a, a retailer really. Mm-hmm. Unless and we've worked with some museums and other clients who are similar in their needs. Sure. Museums uh, are another one, yeah. Yeah. Uh, lighting is a part of the experience in those stores. And so even if it's one outage or a color shifted fixture 
there's next to a zero tolerance zero. for that. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think that's where our company, um, we've done well with the types of clients we work with because we pursue clients who are looking for a white glove service provider. Sure. Um, we avoid the, uh, the, the big box um, sorts of retail clients because lighting maintenance, uh, frankly, becomes more janitorial sure. than it does being um, uh, a labor of an attention to detail yeah, and sure. correct specification and really where I'm selling um, a, a, a service and sure. a solution rather than just a lamp changer. Are yeah. you, uh, you, so you deal with companies all over the country. Are you finding uh, the need for face-to-face -face meetings still, or is it mm. all online, email, phone, or do you need to be in front of them a lot? Face-to-face so? -face is critical. Still. Um, that That's how you get in the door. Mm -hmm. So um, I've been uh, getting involved with uh, various trade organizations and traveling to events, whether it's just small roundtable events that they host or the, the larger national conventions. Mm -hmm. And um, uh, that has been really effective for us. Mm -hmm. We uh, spent more money than I like to admit on digital marketing and casting a wide net with very little returns. And I found that when you get the right person in front of you mm -hmm. and um, you start by understanding them and the challenges that they're facing. If you mm -hmm. are a retail facilities manager, you have problems. Yeah, for sure. And so just start by learning what those problems are. Mm -hmm. And then uh, I, I realize that not everyone is going to be a good fit for us. And that's fine. Um, so I wait to hear if their problems are the types of problems that we could solve. That that's a that's a that's a mature salesperson's approach. You know, it's like when you when you're young and gung ho and you're mm -hmm. you drag your big dragnet, you're yeah, pulling up all sorts of dead catch <laughs> that you don't need and right. calls that you don't want. And, you know, it's like oh yeah yeah you know this and that. It's kind of like ah. I don't really need this right now. You right. know what I mean? Right. And, uh, but you know, a, a, a good sale, an experienced salesperson, someone who's a veteran just says no to a lot of, a lot of opportunities. You know, that's, that's really interesting that you say that because we have brought in clients before, um, that, you know, it, they, there was potential for a big revenue boost, but they weren't a match for our values. And I don't mean values in the sense of, Integrity. Honesty, integrity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, no, just it, our DNA. Yeah, sure. Our, they weren't a good cultural fit. And maybe they could say the same thing about us. Sure. We weren't a good That's culture. Not, and it's not an insult. Yeah, no, it's just, it's just different. That's how mm -hmm. capitalism works. Yeah, yeah. And, and it, it's amazing to see, though, the effect that that has downstream when you're not paired correctly with the right type of client. You see, I, I, most notably with my team members, uh, stress goes up. Job satisfaction goes down, yeah, sure. but when you're working with a client where in your power zone, yeah, yeah, and yeah. but they're also getting a real benefit from sure. what we're doing, yes. and we're also getting the satisfaction of knowing that they appreciate what we're doing. Everyone's spirits are lifted. People Absolutely. are working harder. So yeah, I, I, I'm a big advocate for having the right fit in terms of your clients. You know, I find that most obvious with. But, you know, and I'm going to maybe go off topic here, but we were just talking about this on the plane on the way down to, on the way to California is like you get the wrong lawyer or the wrong accountant that doesn't know what they're doing and they really monkey things up. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like it's just not a fit. You're dissatisfied. You don't want to pay the bill. Mm -hmm. Now you're fighting about, you know, this and that. Whereas if you get the right if you get the right fit with the right client, the client is happy with the dollars they're paying for it mm -hmm. and you're happy to do the work for them. And it's yeah. such a wonderful thing. It just makes things easy. And yeah, it's such a the right way to go to go about things. Yeah.
Yeah, you don't waste time shopping them around. You just know they're going to do it right. Yeah, exactly. And the, cost and the price doesn't matter as much. So mm-hmm. that's good. So you guys are, I, I assume you're pairing up a lot of the work. You're doing lighting retrofits and sign work a lot too. Are you guys, there's a lot been converted. Greg hates signs. I, I stay away from them for the most part. Unless they have a fluorescent tube in it, then I can handle it. <laughs> Once you get into the neon and all that stuff, it gets wild. But yeah. Are you guys finding a lot of sign work still to be done or is a lot of been converted? Mm, uh, still finding uh, a decent amount of fluorescent signage. Mm. Um, some neon. Mm. Um but uh, yeah, sign work usually follows um, with our clients. Sure, um, yeah. Usually, we're starting with um, the the on demand. Uh, uh, actually, electrical is a, actually how we usually get started, um, and then um, lighting lighting follows usually, and then signs. Now, are you getting into the uh, what's the right term? In, uh, GPS systems and the retail stores, and that you're working with. Are you guys getting into that control side of the business? Oh, lighting controls. Yeah, and I don't know, is GPS, I'm trying to think of the term where you, it, it knows where you are in the store and give you coupons and everything on your phone. And, oh, yeah. Uh, global positioning, what is it like? Yeah, everyone, I, I, I mean, everybody talks about it. I don't, I, you know, <laughs> whatever that term is. Yeah, yeah there's a term for it. Yeah. I, aren't you supposed to be the host? Of, like, uh, where's your so notes, cool. Matt? Near, near field communication. Yeah, near field communication. Okay. One of yeah. Them. Uh, you know, there's different languages. Wi-Fi, uh, Li-Fi would be another one mm-hmm. that they're they're bringing about that. But what do you, I think what we're referring to is like the ability for the cust- the end lights to be an interactive point with yeah. the customer in the store. Yeah, it it seems to me that there's a lot of opportunity there in the retail space. Mm. Um, I haven't seen it yet. Um, you 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 mentioned uh, briefly controls, yeah. and um, that's obviously uh, a big buzzword right now sure. in our industry. I'm sure it's happening. I'm just not seeing it. Well, the, the, <laughs> so the, I call it the, this is the, this would be in my career. So I've been in the game. Um, I started working for my dad in 1999. Mm-hmm. So, but then off and on, and then 2000, I went full. So 20 years selling light bulbs. Mm-hmm. And I've seen in my career three. This will be the third controls cycle. The first two were boom bust cycles, where. Oh, it's going to be controls, 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 like the pass infrared and dual technology, mm-hmm. right? Wow. Dual technology. Now we've got now. Ult- ultrasonic mm-hmm. with passive infrared together or microphonic with passive infrared. And that was the first wave. And then it was like, yeah, that's great. No one, no one went, really went for it. We mm-hmm. do, we do lots of that, but like, you know, it's very, it's neat. It's still like 5% of revenue or something like that. Mm-hmm. Then the next one was uh, connected controls with Encilium and those guys when we're going to rewire the whole building right. with Cat5 cable and connected to the controls and then everything's going to be great after that. I was like, yeah, 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 yeah. And no one did anything. Mm-hmm. Right? And now I see the same kind of hype over IoT. And I'm just wondering if it's just another part of the boom-bust cycle with controls. Yeah. Where it's like, yeah, this time everybody's going to want lighting controls. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I wonder if uh, you were a company that worked a lot in the government space and uh, uh, education or um, uh, possibly, uh, yeah, I would just think like universities, uh, government buildings, you, maybe you would see the investment in those things. We, we just don't play in that space. Um, we do work with uh, a lot of property management companies. So uh, property management companies that have a lot of uh, office space underneath their management, which then we would be doing the lighting maintenance for. Um, I'm surprised I'm not seeing any natural demand from those clients because that's where I I think that that's a good use. I'll tell you why. Why is that? Because they all have lighting control systems now that they don't use. 
Uh, yeah. True. It's always been complicated. Yeah. I mean, like I have a large mall customers in Toronto mm -hmm. where they have, you know, just enormous properties and they have these lighting control systems. They have no idea what the thing does. Yeah. Right. Just override everything. Mm -hmm. It was mm -hmm. cool when it was put in. They never were taught how to use it and they never used it. Yeah. Yeah. And that was it. Yeah. Um, yeah. The, the lack of good commissioning. Yeah. Or, but then oftentimes or, the person who commissioned it didn't know how to do tribal it. knowledge and yeah. they leave and then no one knows how to use it. Uh, but, or it's breaker based. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. or it's based on breaker systems. And it's like, well, yeah. So, well, Again, uh, us working uh, in large part with retailers, they just want the lights on. Yeah. So I don't really see the uh, a good opportunity there, or, or even you know what what retailers will be clamoring to have these advanced controls. Uh, well, okay, in in the small to medium box, I could see what how in the targets and of the world mm -hmm. there's a need for that, but in a two thousand to twelve thousand square foot retail space. You don't want some of your lights off and some of your lights on. It's not a good look. And, uh, you know, especially the higher the retail you go, you want to get people away from their phones in a sense. Mm -hmm. You mm -hmm. know what I'm saying? Someone walks into a Prada, mm -hmm. the last, they want you, you, you want the people engaging with that person. You don't want them on their phone getting, beep, you're in Prada. Hey, 10% off on him. Yeah. <laughs> You know, yeah. those don't go on sale. No, yeah. exactly. Yeah, I don't even think they put them. They burn them after. Yeah, right. I read an article that they like fifty percent of that stuff gets burned. It's better burned. to burn it it's than for it to go on the yeah. black market. They burn, they incinerate it in France. They just put it in incinerators. <laughs> I'm not kidding you. It's That's very crazy. French. Yeah, I know. They like, burn the stuff. Wow. It's like, wow, we can't sell the rest of this line. Just burn it all. So I assume you guys have a lot of after hours work then. If you're in retail, most of your installs are taking place after hours. A lot. Yeah. Okay. Is that a challenge? It is a big challenge on the staffing front. I bet. Because you have to have somebody here or somebody available, or how do you handle that? Oh, man. Uh, we've tried a lot of different systems mm -hmm. uh, to make it work right. Um, but now what we're doing is a hybrid of a couple of people who uh, are dedicated after hours. Um, uh, and at the risk of, of boring you to death, I looked at your website at, and I say your career openings and you said the funky schedule. Yeah. Is that what you're talking about? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, wait, fun, it was fun. And then a KY. KY. Yeah. Because it's a fun <laughs> schedule because you have uh, this rotating. You're not in the office as much. I thought that was good. You, yeah. You're part of the time. You're just on call, yep. um, but getting paid. Uh, so that's kind of a, a sweet deal. Um. But yeah, it's a hybrid now between uh, a team that is dedicated after hours um, and then the rest of the, the normal hours team has a rotating on-call responsibility for the early mornings sure. uh, during the week. So that's the best way we've, we've worked it out. Um, in the past, we just had a briefcase uh, with a laptop and a phone that rotated through the staff. And so when it was your week, you not only put it put in your 40 plus here in the office, you were then on call mornings, nights, and that weekend, and that was not a good system. Yeah. It, uh, That's you, a life wrecker. Yeah. Oh, my. Yeah. We, we had someone who said, if I have that briefcase one more time, my wife will divorce me. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> So, well, is that what you want, sir? <laughs> yeah. Do you want, you want to take the briefcase? <laughs> I don't know what you're asking for here. 
get, get it figured out though. That's good. Yeah, that's. That, I, I I know somebody who worked at a company that did a lot of retail and yeah, and it was it was hard that after hours stuff. So. Well, and also too, the expectation is that um, the retailer will have or any any client because we have other clients who take advantage of our twenty four hour assistance. They want the same level of service Tuesday at two p.m. as they do. Uh, Saturday at 2 a.m. Mm. And I get that, but that's that's a really huge staffing challenge. Mm-hmm. Sure is. Uh, there's just not as many calls in that time. So if you have someone who's dedicated to work the after hours, they're just not getting in the practice. We rotate them through the the uh, regular hours here, but it, that yeah. no one wants to work a schedule like that. Sure. So we get creative and, and we incentivize the team for when the our, our normal Monday through Friday, team mm. members um, take on the after hours responsibility. They're they're rewarded for it. So, do you guys have a, a company's standpoint or organizational standpoint? Do you have somebody that audits the facility, somebody who sells, somebody who implements projects? Is that kind of the order, or how does that work? Sell yeah. then audit. I, I find that handoff so difficult. I know because you know at our the, company, I yeah. kind of do the whole thing, but it's mm-hmm. diff- totally different. But I find that the mistakes that. always come when it's like this guy did the audit. Now this guy's going to run the install, and it's like blah, 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 blah. oh yeah, yeah. We we always keep that together. Okay, okay. Um, I I I'm kind of interpreting the question from uh like a a, a sales to operations handoff. Sure. Is that kind of exactly what you had? What he's asking. Yeah. Uh, so that has historically been one of our biggest challenges to overcome hmm. is translating everything that we're learning from working with the the prospect who then becomes a customer mm-hmm. and then now having to translate that to dozens of operations people, hmm. depending on the size of yeah, the client. Sure. I mean, there could be a number of people who will touch that account. And so... Um, I told you uh, towards the beginning of this interview that I've transitioned to uh, focusing more on sales recently than operations. And um, all after I have a meeting with a client, I'll have at minimum two pages of notes, their current headaches, anything that I said that we could do to help relieve those headaches. Mm. And uh, as kind of, you know, it's a small business. Um, I'm wearing both the, the sales and the operations hat. I leave the sales meeting. I need to put on the operations hat and now translate yeah. all of those headaches and solutions into sustainable processes that the team can follow every single day for thousands and thousands and thousands of work orders. <laughs> yeah. There goes the head. Yeah. It's, that's, <laughs> that's the handoff. So in 2008, yeah. I had the chance to do this. That my business was either going to go this way or that way. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of my clients was um, a French uh, um, high-end retailer. Okay. I'm not going to say who it is, but, I th- you know, there's like four of them or whatever mm-hmm. it is, right? And they say, well, you have to give us national coverage and all, blah, blah, blah. And we want the same in here. And we don't want any light bulbs burned out. And we need this kind of thing. And I, I decided not to do it. Really? Yeah. I decided not to focus my time and strategy on doing that and to focus on commercial and industrial properties. I think you have to. I mean, I've, I've had a few opportunities like that and I just, you, you can't do it. You can't, a company like ours can't do what you do unless we mm. decide to do it. Yeah. yeah you can't like, do both. Yeah, exactly. Well, I mean, you, you, <laughs> you can try. Yeah. I mean, it's like, it to this. I just like, when you're talking about that, I just like, Oh God, mm-hmm. you know, like I mean, at that time there was no led. So maybe it's worse with led or better, but I remember they had all these under cabinet lights of different kinds. And yep. Just like, yep. 
go and we're going to come in here and you know this and that and the transformers out location's and wrong and, the count is oh. never right <laughs> and the, the tra you know this trend where the hell is the transformer in access this thing? is chronically oh, an issue yeah man and that it's a remote transformer and it's back up there and you have to have the specific knowledge of the store and mm -hmm. employees change so much in the store yeah you know I, I i get that those are those are the problems that we're facing day in and day out but that is where we differentiate ourselves. Yeah, sure. Um, I'm not saying it's easy. I'm not saying it's fun, but we we don't give up on those things. And mm. it says on our website, nothing scares us no matter how intense. And uh, I know it sounds funny, but that remote transformer can be pretty scary <laughs> when you've got the yeah, facility sure. manager barking at you. Sure. That thing's been out for a month now. When is it going to be fixed? And we're well, going to First of all, we haven't found it, it yet. Yeah, right, right. Yeah. And we haven't found it yet. You know, and there's, the there's, no, there's no plans. Yeah. available the person who built it is not the person maintaining it but that's how it always goes yeah um so yeah we uh we don't sweep those problems under the rug and our tenacity in solving those challenges right word. for a a, a national multi-site facility manager we that I, this I, I don't know if it's too strong of a word but i i like to think we become indispensable to them because for sure we become so deep you dig yourselves deep in there like a little ferret yeah we, <laughs> we, we, we take things off of your to-do list we don't add yeah, to them. that's good sure that's yeah. what people need so i mm -hmm. think that's important that's yeah good. okay so one 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 more question yeah before because you, you're probably it's almost what is it uh yeah it's, it's five o'clock oh, in yeah. toronto seven o'clock in toronto time but anyway four o'clock here so circadian health effects Okay. You hear nothing of this, I bet. Oh, no, I've never heard anything about that. <laughs> no, but no, from your customers. Oh, customers? Yeah. Heck no. no. Yeah, yeah, no, I'm not talking from the, I'm the top down, the circadian this and, doo -doo 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 and health effects. And then from the customers up, they have no interest in this at all from your perspective in the retail space. Have you heard a customer say, what we really need is to pretend that that light fixture is like the sun? <laughs> no, they want it uh, on as long as possible and as okay. bright as possible. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yep. So there's none of that from the bottom up for you guys? Um, no. Uh, I would say the closest we get to that is with our property management customers mm. um, with outdoor lighting um, because we'll work with property management companies that uh, manage uh, shopping centers. And so we'll occasionally get uh, a glare complaint with an outdoor lighting system or have to. Uh, we did a retrofit once in a parking lot that uh, was butted up against... Um, a residential neighborhood and so that's where really tight uh design of the um the, the type we didn't uh, install new uh poles but we had to have different uh distribution types sure. on the poles in various places to not only have uh uniform illu uh, illumination but also avoid uh, light trespass in the surrounding neighborhoods but no it's it's not something that we deal with regularly yeah. I think it's more, honestly, it's more of like a pub trivia than it is. <laughs> <laughs> so it's Kyle Landig. Kyle Landig, yeah. Hey, Kyle, thank you for being a guest on the Get a Grip on Lenny podcast. Thanks a lot for having me, guys. Yeah, thanks, Phil. Yeah. The original Flicker Free, energyfocus.com, Greg. Woo! That's right. They actually have dedicated white papers on their website. And the website or page you see right now talks about that technology and the importance of Getting flicker free, man. And focus does it better than anybody. And those white papers have black ink on them, and they're talking about flicker, son. So get after it. This is the flicker free original, and all the lighting dorks out there that are on my case about it's not technically flicker free. There's still a little bit of look. 
when I put the camera on it, ain't flickering. The other ones, so flicker free. And that and energy focus is the flicker free original, man. So go to energyfocus.com, E N E R G Y F O C U S dot com, energyfocus.com. Kyle, I'm, well, I don't know about the National Association of Innovative Lending Distributors. We postponed our convention because of COVID 19. And uh, that's too bad. CDC and the Mississippi State Department of Health said no more conventions. So we said, okay, fine, fine. We're not going to do. So here's my my take on that at the end of the episode. And if people, only the long-time, full-time listeners get to hear my opinion, okay? There's nothing worse to me than people that go above and beyond what health professionals tell us to do. That pisses me off. I'm a light bulb dork. You're a light bulb dork. I sell light bulbs. So I was like, hey, we're going. We're going to go to this convention unless the, uh, and Spencer Miles and all the board, we're going to go to this convention unless the CDC and the or the Mississippi State Department of Health tell us not to. Look, man, if the government, if the big dog, the big chimp in charge of the nation and says, Listen to this guy who's from who's in charge of the Center for Disease Control and Prevention. He says, not allowed to have a convention anymore. Or you shouldn't have a convention anymore. But other people like to going above and beyond. Oh, you guys should have canceled your convention earlier. You guys are irresponsible. You should have done what we did. We canceled before you guys. Well, good for you guys. That's great. But we don't have any doctors on staff. So we listen, we don't go on our gut instinct, whether it's to cancel or not cancel or have it or don't have it. We listen to what the people that, call, that work for a place called the Center for Disease Control and Prevention say. If they say you can have a convention, we have a convention. If they say you can't have a convention, we don't have a convention, Greg. Is that fair, man? That's fair. It makes it easy on us. We look to the peripherals. They tell us what we need to do. And they told us what we needed to do. And we listened. Until then, we were going to do what we always do. And all this, like, these stupid emails I'm getting, like, oh, you guys should have canceled earlier. You guys are, are not, you're not doing what you're supposed to do. No, I'm doing what I'm told by people that know what they're supposed to do. Mm-hmm. And I don't preempt them. That's what, that's what crashes the economy. That's what screws things up is when we, we try to do light bulb dorks or other people try to do other people's jobs. And maybe you do it because there, there's lots of planning and you might have to cancel. I get it. Everybody has their own reasons for postponing and canceling. That's none of my business what happens at the South by Southwest concert or light fair or any other thing. But nailed, all we were doing was listening to the authorities that we pay billions in tax dollars to tell us what to do. So why not listen to them, Greg? That's what they're there for. Take their So advice. stop with the hate mail, dudes. So what if I was wrong on, on March the 10th? When they told us to cancel, we canceled. That's it. I don't know more than those guys know. So when those guys tell us to cancel, don't say no, no, no events more than 250 people. Okay, we're gonna we're gonna let it ride for a bit. There's no need to cancel for right now. We don't have thousands and thousands of people flying from across the world to this event that need to know for sure. We're just gonna keep it rolling. See what happens. Oh, okay, great. They canceled. They said no more uh, conventions in Mississippi, more than 10 people. Okay, guess what? Nails off. 50 people nails off. You know, 250 people. Maybe Neil rolls it hot. I don't know. 
I don't know. I just feel like I wanted to say that because I got a bunch of emails from people and they're saying that and the Flickr emails. Cut it out or come on the show. <laughs> One or the other. Either cut it out or you get Scotty to send you that link and you come on here and talk to me about it. No more side emails on the side with a fake email address on the thing. Because that was a fake email address, that one, for sure, no? Yeah, it was fake. And a fake phone, phone number. number. And a fake yeah. phone number, sucker. Come on. <laughs> come on, man. Yeah, right. That's not how you do it. Irresponsible calling. What the hell do I know? I sell light bulbs every day. They said they can't have a convention. We're not having a convention. That's it. Folks, whew. So go to nail.org for people that stay in the light bulb lane. Stay in the light bulb lane. That's where I stay. Oh, what's your name? My name is Dr. Uh, blah, 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 blah. Well, what, what do you have? A PhD in germology, germs, and virologist or whatever. Oh, great. Should we go to a convention? No, don't have any conventions. Oh, okay. No problem, man. Good to go. By the way, if you want to upgrade your lighting system, talk to me. That's what I know about. Whew, that was a long rant. <laughs> there you go. Mm-hmm. So go to NAILD.org, energyfocus.com. And of course, this is your opportunity. I know you've always wanted to do it. This is your opportunity to finally, after all these all these years, to binge on the Get a Grip Online podcast. And not only that, folks, but you could even binge on the Light Ted online video show. That's right. Go to lightted.com, lightedmag.com, L-I-G-H-T-E-D. Is it two T's? L-I-G-H-T-E-D-Mag.com. Yeah. L-I-G-H-T-E-D-Mag.com. And you just look Mm -hmm. up, get a grip on lighting, and you can binge watch those ones. Actually, those ones are quicker because they're about 10 minutes and I'm going on forever. Blah, 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 blah. I think you could probably get over 200 hours of listening entertainment if you combined it all. But check it out. Waste 200 hours. Ooh. (laughs) baby do it do it do it right now do it while you're on COVID-19 quarantine folks but of course better to go to LS1 do that instead thanks for listening written on the rectory wall there's a sign there for all you are lost Lord is there to find you